Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, it is officially spring, score one for the good guys, which means warmer weather, which means you don't need as heavy a clothes. So maybe you may want to lighten up your wardrobe a little bit by head over to Leon Tailoring. That's right, maybe a nice spring jacket or maybe a nice pair of slacks or trousers or perhaps a nice spring dress uh, for the ladies in our audience. No matter what it is, Leon Tailoring can take care of all your spring needs. So spring on over Leon Tailoring. Larry, Norm, Kim, and Judy, happy to see you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown. Indianapolis. Well, our friends at the Indiana Youth Institute have released their 2002 Indiana Kids Count data book and lots of interesting things about the kids uh, here in the state of Indiana. And joining us to talk about that is our good friend Tammy Sobin, who's the president of the IYI. So, Tammy, thank you very much for being with us. Always good to chat with you. Same to you. Same to you. It's good to be back with you. All righty. So let's go ahead and get started here. Uh, this 29th edition, uh, I'm sorry, the 28th edition of the Indiana Youth Institute. Uh, what do we find out? Uh, how are Indiana's kids doing? Overall, we're 29th in the country, which is about where we've, where we've been for about the last 10 years, Abdul. So we haven't, you know, we haven't fallen. We haven't, we haven't fallen behind, but we also haven't made the progress that I think we would love to make. You know, 29th out of 50 is, is uh, I think we could do better for our kids. And so uh, what exactly, let's talk about, dive into some of these areas in particular. First of all, how did kids manage during COVID? Because I know COVID was stressful for a lot of folks. I'm assuming for kids, it couldn't have been any easier. No, you're 100% right. Of course, of course, our kids felt the effects of the pandemic, as did we. We're seeing, we're starting to see some of that in the data, but the reality is a lot of this data is early pandemic or, or even kind of at the start of it. So we'll continue to gather data as, as time goes on, but we're seeing probably the biggest impact in our health sector. And we can, we can go a little bit more into that if you want to when we talk about that particular area of our rankings. Uh, well, let's go ahead and, uh, we're just going to start that conversation right now. Uh, as far as health goes and kids, how are they doing? Well, we are ranked, that's our, unfortunately, our lowest ranking for our state. So as I said, overall, we're ranked 29th in the country. Our health ranking is actually 36. So that's one of our biggest challenge areas. And we're seeing what we're seeing in that area is a lot of that has to do with access to behavioral health and, and clinical mental health services. And we know that access is still a big issue for a lot of our kids. And as is some of those, um, some of those feelings related to the pandemic, that sad, hopelessness, that insecurity of not knowing what's coming next, what those changes are. Um, and we're seeing, unfortunately, a lot of more kids who contemplated or attempted suicide as well over the last, over the last year, year and a half. It's interesting, Tammy, that you bring up those mental health issues because I know we deal with a lot of mental health issues with just regular Hoosier adults. So it's interesting to see how, how it starts. Actually, it looks like it may you know, have its roots uh, with, with uh, adults as kids. Of course, yes, you're absolutely right. And so one of the things we do in the data book is not only just look at Indiana, but oftentimes we look at the states around us. So one of the stats that we know of that we were looking at is children with a mental health or behavioral condition who could not receive treatment um, or counseling. And unfortunately, we had 52.4, more than half of our kids who needed that care could not get that. And that is the highest number of, of need, of unmet need of any of our surrounding states. Now, when it comes to uh, kids and mental health issues, is there any particular area in Indiana uh, that has one more than the other? Or is it just spread out evenly or just across the board? No, it's certainly it's certainly not across the board. And there is there are some areas that have 
fewer health behavioral health care providers. And again, the data book goes into that and actually lets you look at it by county so that you can see what those mental health provider ratios are to child population. So again, there are certain areas of the state that are better and certain uh, certain parts of the state that are worse. Our guest on the program today is Tammy Silverman. Tammy is uh, with the Indiana Youth Institute. And so we're talking today about uh, sort of the, what they found in their 2022 edition of Kids Count. Uh, Tammy, uh, you said it says here that Indiana is also home to the 14th largest, speak to children, uh, child population nationally here in the United States. Yes, and I think that's that's really encouraging. You know, there are a lot of states that that their young people are leaving their state. So we have a robust number of kids living in in our state. Again, 14th highest, 1.57 million children younger than 18. And we also know that our child population is more diverse and increasingly more diverse than our adult population. Um, so what does it mean uh, for for our future, I guess? Because one of the questions always is, is you know, kids will you know, come to Indiana, they'll go to high school, uh, they'll go to college, or they'll, they'll either go to college in, in Indiana and then leave, or leave Indiana and, and go to college somewhere else, and then eventually sometimes they come back, sometimes unfortunately they don't. So what are we doing to keep kids here uh, in Indiana after they've matriculated from high school and college? Right. Well, that's where we get into one of our other buckets that we look at is economic well-being. And so really looking at is this is this a place where kids can grow up that, you know, once they do go to college, they can afford to buy a house, they can they can get they can earn a living wage, they can uh, you know, do all of those things that we know contribute to a stable and productive life. So making sure that we're looking at how are we doing in all of those areas is crucial. Because again, obviously, you know, the number of families that have full-time employment, kids that are a little bit older, are they attending school or working? You know, making sure we don't have too many of those kids that are not not doing either one is crucial to their long-term well-being and their connectivity to the state. We can get into the whole social determinants of health at another point, but, you know, we also have to make sure it's attractive for young folks to not only get a job here, but, but make sure that there are things that they want to do with their free time and their leisure and that we have access to parks and trails and a lot of those things that we know that we're working on. Uh, speaking of kids and education here in Indiana, how are we doing with respect to uh, post-secondary education, whether it's an associate's degree, a bachelor's degree, a certificate, or just some kind of because, you know, I, as I jokingly tell folks, you know, we have these conversations in the old days of you, know, you graduated from high school, you went down to the end of town and got a work job at the factory and you know, stayed there for 30, 30, 40 years or pretty much gone and not coming back. That is that is true. That is true. Although we are seeing um, a few more or higher job, higher paying jobs that are available to kids straight out of school. Now, that being said, our number of kids who graduated from high school on time stayed about the same. The number of kids who indicate that they're interested in post-secondary attainment has also, it's gone down just a little bit, but but not dramatically. Where we're, what we're really looking at and paying attention to are completion rates. So, you know, you might have a great support network getting kids interested in that post-secondary path two or four year degree that can set them up for higher earnings and, and benefits and all those things over their lifetime. But we need to make sure that they're they're completing all of those degrees, right? We need to make sure they're getting that credential or that or that diploma so that that's not just something that they started and weren't able to activate on later in life. Uh, Tammy, you know as well as I do that, that a key uh, factor to avoiding poverty actually is education. Uh, with child poverty, how are we doing in Indiana? Because I don't think the, the news is all that great. 
Well, we we obviously COVID, we took a big hit there, as did many other states. The number of families living in poverty um, did go up a little bit. Um, and so we're ranked 25th in the country. We have 8% of children living in high poverty areas. And it's important that we pay attention to that, right? Because if, if again, if the families... And also, so there's high poverty areas and there's also children in poverty. That number also went up uh, this year for us. So, again, those families, if they don't have the income to support uh, a standard of living that includes a home and access to health care and nutritious foods, obviously that's going to trickle down and impact the kids. Uh, how much of that was due to COVID? Or once again, is this just sort of the start of the, of the pandemic when you guys did put this report together? It is the start. It is the start. And so, again, we know that we're seeing some of those effects coming in. A lot of this information was from the 2020 census, um, but it depends on each indicator can either be state or federal indicator. So it really depends on which one you're looking at. But unfortunately, we, we expect the data to be a little more dire going forward, you know, for the near term. But again, we're hopeful. We know that there were a lot of folks particularly our teachers, after-school providers, coaches, youth group leaders, scout leaders, all those folks that were leaning in to try to support our kids through the pandemic. And we know that they're the ones that are making sure these numbers aren't worse than what they are. Our guest on the program today, Tammy Silverman. Tammy is the president of the Indiana Youth Institute. They put out their report uh, on the state of kids uh, here in the state of Indiana, the 2022 Indiana Kids Count Report data book. It goes through lots of things like foster care, youth in the justice system, child poverty, you name it, and see how Indiana's kids are doing, particularly compared uh, to other parts of the country. Uh, Tammy, uh, I know uh, one of the big issues that the governor has been working on is infant mortality, uh, trying to get infant mortalities rate down, uh, particularly when it comes to uh, African-Americans and other uh, folks of color. Uh, how are we doing with infant mortality? You know, we, we stayed pretty consistent. We took a tiny dip, particularly as it related to our, our babies of color. Now, that being said, we know those numbers are disproportionately high when compared to the rest of the state and compared to the rest of the country. So we have more work to do there. We need to make sure that, that all expectant moms have access to preventative care. We need to make sure that there are healthy foods available and that we're not, you know, that we're not in. This was a new term that kind of came up this year, at least to my ear, we've talked about food deserts, but we also started looking at these food swamps. So places that, you know, just have, you know, where folks are, have access to only, you know, bagged chips and, and food that's not going to be nourishing to either an expectant parent or young kids, either one. So how do we, how do we uh, deal, attack this child poverty issue? Because I, I realize that it, it's not as easy as, as folks may think it is. But at the same time, I was always taught that, son, if you finish school, you know, wait till you're married to have children and uh, you know, get a job, your chance of being in poverty dropped by like 80 percent and some change. It does. It does. You know, I think I think that concept of those sustainable wage jobs is really and I know I know you work with Ivy Tech. We work with Ivy Tech an awful lot. And Dr. Elsperman says this so beautifully that that we need these high demand, high wage jobs, because that's how you move and make sure that you have a stable household for you, yourself and your kids. Right. So, you know, when a family maybe has to take on two or three jobs, that's going to be a struggle. And, and those those jobs aren't going to pay the kind of wages that you need to support a family. And so, again, really focusing on that gateway to credentials and post-secondary attainment as that way to help our families um, 
move out of poverty and hopefully stay out of poverty and making sure that those pathways are accessible and that there's support along the way, it makes a big difference. Uh, Tammy, youth in the justice system, uh, obviously that, that is a major issue, particularly with crime here uh, in the city of Indianapolis per se. Uh, how are kids doing with, with the justice system? Is the numbers up or are they down or are they still about the same? They actually took a pretty big drop. Now, that is one thing that we know from from that the pandemic did did uh, impact. The reality is the number one referral source for the just, juvenile justice system is schools. And so a lot of kids weren't in school at the start of the pandemic. So we know that it's possible. We're hoping that we're, we're having these conversations with folks to say, are we really thinking about when we're referring kids to the juvenile justice system and, and what alternatives might exist? I know there were a couple study committees this year um, at the legislature to look at that, particularly as when you when you um, disaggregate the number by race to make sure that a disproportionate number of our kids of color aren't being referred, which which unfortunately they are to the juvenile justice system. And so how can we correct that? So the numbers went down because of COVID. Let's try to keep them that way and make sure that that we're really understanding our referral as well as even suspension and expulsion rates within our school. And also, uh, the, the last topic here, because we talk about this with, with some of the folks from foster care a little bit later, uh, how, are foster, how, how are our foster care numbers? They're, they're relatively, they're relative to our other states, the highest. So if you look at as we look at Illinois, Kentucky, Michigan, and Ohio, um, and yet they have fallen a little for our state or considerably. And I know that, that they're continuing. Foster Success is doing a terrific job, as is Terry Stigden, looking at that. Our numbers have fallen since 2018. Um, and again, we're looking at, at what additional supports are needed there, particularly for those kids that are kind of aging out out of the foster care system, but aren't yet, um, you know, kind of that older, stable adult. When we're talking about age 23, you know, if, if thinking about a, a kid that's maybe 17, can they really, you know, is it a reasonable expectation for them to be ready to go out and find their own home and their own job and live independently? I don't know. We need a little extended care through the foster care system. Tammy Silverman, the Indiana Youth Institute, with us for a few more minutes on the program today as we go through their annual report to see the state of how the state of Indiana's kids are doing. Uh, Tammy, when you look at uh, just sort of all the information that you and I have been talking about uh, for the past 15 minutes and some change, what would you say is the big takeaway uh, for kids here in Indiana? Well, we know that for a lot of kids in Indiana, Indiana can be a terrific place to be a kid. We see it all the time. What we do know is that it's not yet that way for each and every one of our kids. And so we really need to lean into the data, disaggregate it so that we can understand it and take action to make sure that that we are leaning in in areas where we need to. You know, the other thing, one of the interesting things, I think we talk an awful lot about education. And of course, we want all of our kids to be well-educated going forward. Education is our bright spot. We are ranked 17th in the country for overall educational well-being of our kids. So um, even though even though we have a lot of progress that we'd want to make, education is our bright spot right now. So here's my question. When you compare Indiana to other states, how do you guys do that, do sort of the, the methodology, so to speak? Because obviously, you know, uh, Indiana is, you know, kind of similar to Ohio, Michigan, Illinois, Kentucky, their neighboring states. But when you get a little bit further out, say like a New York state or California or Washington state, how do, how do we compare uh, against those sort of, those, those sort of outliers, so to speak? 
Well, again, I think it, it varies across uh, which one you choose, but you you can go. So we're part of the Annie Casey Kids Count Data Network. So you can go to their site and they they do look at, you can pull by each state and compare to whatever state you'd want to. In addition, this new data that we just published for Indiana will roll up to the national data book later this summer. And again, then, then they're looking at, they take all these data indicators, compare them, they make sure there's a core number as far as methodology, and this may sound a little wonky, so I'm sorry, please stop me. If it does, they make sure the core indicators are comparable across all of the 50 states, and that's how they come up with the rankings. But again, the data is out there for you to take a look at. Not only how are we doing in Indiana, we also dive into each of the 92 counties, and then if you, you know, so if you want to take it down to the local level, and then if you want to pop up to the national level, you can do that through the Casey site and compare states. Uh, final question for you, uh, Tammy. Uh, obviously, this was done prior to uh, the pandemic, just as the pandemic was getting underway. It was starting to hit Indiana. Do you, how, how, how much do you expect these numbers to change when you guys do next year's report, uh, knowing once again we, we, we have that pandemic kind of hanging over our heads? You know, we, we do know from talking to numerous teachers and youth workers from around the state, the pandemic was tough on kids, right? We know that it was tough on families. We also know the same holds true for, for our neighboring states. I don't think the pandemic was any harder for Indiana schools than perhaps it was for Ohio schools or Michigan schools. And so I, we're anticipating that we will see some tough numbers going forward, but I'm not sure if it'll change our rankings all that dramatic, dramatically because they're all comparative. And also everybody went through the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. That's the bottom line. We all went through the same thing. Um, we, we are really proud of how our teachers and our youth workers showed up. And, and again, that's the bright spot. And that's been the saving grace for Indiana kids. All right. Well, our guest on the program today has been Tammy Silverman. Tammy is the head of the Indiana Youth Institute. Uh, they kind of look after kids and sort of uh, give us an update on how kids are doing. Tammy, if somebody wants to get a copy of the report, uh, where can they find it? IYI.org. It is all digitized there for you. So, you you know, I often tell folks this isn't a book you read cover to cover, but yet you think about what's important to you, and you can dive in and search that area and go pretty in-depth. All right. Well, Tammy Soberman, the Indiana Youth Institute, IYI. Tammy, thank you very much for being with us. Always great to chat with you. Same to you. Thanks, Joel. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.